The following audio is from North Pine Baptist Church. We trust that this recording will help you learn more about God and His message for the world. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au. Please open up your Bibles. You'll also be able to see it along on the screen. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. Starting at verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become calloused and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught him in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, Having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work on his hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath, and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. As God in Christ forgave you. Okay, hello, church. I have a few people in front of me, um, and we've got people in front of. Um, I'm in front of people on their phones, on their TVs, and computers. All ages are in this together. Parents, I miss catching up over a coffee, and I must confess, I'm barely a coffee fan. Children, I miss handball in the back courtyard on a Sunday morning. Youth, I, I desperately miss Friday nights. I long for this Friday. Exploring God with you in this face-to-face space is a deep joy, joy I long to see return. What a different time for the church. Yet may I also say it has been an opportunity to recapture many ways of connection. Zoom Bible studies, phone prayer, heart catch-ups, video call mentoring. Thank you, church, for the text messages, the emails, the phone calls, the cards, both that you have sent to me and to one another. Pandemic or not, church continues. We adapt to faithfully follow Christ in all circumstances. And this morning, I want to take advantage of this unique setting. For those at home, 
I want to send you on a very brief scavenger hunt. Uh, kids, you could do this for your parents. Here's what you're after. Go right now and find a pen and paper. It doesn't have to be a pen, just anything you can write with. Uh, well done also if you've already got one in front of you. Now, um, kids, if you didn't get that pen license at school, it's okay. Pencils will work just fine. Just to let you in a little secret, I never got one of those either. Sorry, grade three teacher. As we watch, watch church together, I want to encourage you to take some notes. It's really easy to get disconnected and disengaged while we're online. Uh, but this might help a little. So, do you have your pen and paper? I've got some. Here's what I do. Uh, it, it gives me better results than doing nothing. On my notes, I've got my ones from last week. I've got the date. Today is July 19th. I've got the passage. We're, expe- we're exploring Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. And today's title is Made in Christ. And I normally use about five categories for my notes. First one's just interesting points, anything that stands out. Then I try and capture the big idea. Then we have any questions that arise out of our time together. Also, I try and write down, how does this look in my life? I'll give you an example in just a moment. And I also think, who can I share and show this to? So here's, uh, by way of example, uh, my notes for my, my life category from last week's sermon on the first half of Ephesians 4. So what does this first half of Ephesians 4 look like in my life? I'm eager for church to return, but I need to seize this moment as a restart. For our unity in God, I need to put on Christ's servant attitude. Use the gifts God has given me to build each other up and to continue to grow our unity on the foundation of truth and love. Bill, who was speaking to us last week, also passed on these questions of benefit for daily self-reflection. Did I offer peace today? Did I bring a smile to someone's face? Did I say words of healing? Did I laugh? Hopefully these prompt um, some thoughts on what we looked at last week. And perhaps uh, we can do the same thing again next week as we consider uh, how we went in the week that's just been. So with pen, paper and Bible ready and no further ado, let's begin our passage in earnest. During this time, I want to encourage you, and I think the passage requires of us to be a caring pessimist, a learner, listener, and the led, and to commit to actions and attitudes that this passage gives to us for what this looks like. Cole gave a great example of so many of those. Start with me by looking over verses 17 to 19. And as you do, substitute the word Gentiles. It can feel a bit too abstract with Australians, the Aussie, if you like. Gentile, it's a Bible term for someone who is not born into the special family of Israel, who God worked through in the Old Testament. And Australians definitely fit into this category. Also, skim your eyes back over the first half of the chapter in Ephesians 4. The first half, it focuses on our unity with God, the unity that God makes with his church. And this second half, it broadens the focus out wider to 
to consider those outside of the church, and so we must do the same. So consider with me the state of the Gentile Australian, as you know. What we find in our text is a summary that is devastatingly pessimistic, but nonetheless caring. And to set the tone for this conversation, imagine with me that you're in one of those cold, white hospital examination rooms. Picture the doctors coming in to inform the patient it's the worst of news. There's that tissue box just ominously close to the patient. Devastating pessimism is needed to see the worst potential to face the harshest truth front on. For this is actually the first step towards treatment, the pursuit of the best outcome for the sick. And so let us hear the diagnosis in verses 17 to 19 with a doctorly caring pessimism. The Gentile, the Australian, is afflicted with a futility of their mind. They're in the dark. They're willingly ignorant. And their hard heart shows their alienation from God. They're callous, and this shows in their addiction to pleasuring their own senses, greedily pursuing every kind of impurity. It's an offensive, raw description. And our global culture is so quick to reject any sense of offense, or at least try and cover it over with some appeal to a higher offense. And we need to push back against this cultural current. We need to stop and face that truth can be offensive. And before the church tries to distance themselves from such an offensive summary of the Gentiles, in just a few words' time in our passage, Paul will be reminding Christians that this is the old self, that we are dependent upon Jesus to change in us. This isn't someone else's story, this is our story. So hear the diagnosis. Apart from God, we are all addicted to pleasuring our own senses, covertly or overtly, and we will pursue impurity with a relentless, consuming greed. People are very creative sinners. And this is the default sickness of all people. Now, Christians are commissioned as heralds of good news in response to a pessimistic, caring acceptance of this bad news. The diagnosis is bad, but the cure is life-changing. Paul is calling out for change, to no longer live in this futile way. The change begins by becoming a Christ owner. Skim over verses 20 to 21. is to be a Christ learner. Consumption of impurity will not heal our sickness, will only get sicker, but Christ can. To learn Christ involves ears that hear to be a Christ learner. Listening learners need a teacher to be Christ-led when you're learning. And so we move on from that image of that bleak hospital examination room and move into the bright classroom of Christ. 
We are called to be Christ's warriors, whispers, and men. Verse 21 wants to make sure that we don't miss the center of this point. Humanity is invited out of the darkness and futurity of our minds into the truth that is in Jesus. This is the Jesus we meet in history on earth, the Jesus whose ministry we read of in the Gospels, whose death, whose life ends at the cross and who rises again three days later. In Jesus, he's both the subject, the teacher, and the way this passage talks about it, even the classroom of our learning. For it is by living in relation and communion with Jesus that we learn him. Let me suggest to you that while the Bible is far more pessimistic than you get um, about the state of humanity, it also maintains absolute confidence in God's caring response to our sorry state. God invites us all to be Christ's learners, listeners, and the led. And Christ and Christians, they never graduate from these elements. The next verses, 22 to 24, expounds further what this involves. Learning Christ is a transformational process. It's not just information. God is recreating and renewing Christ's learners in his likeness. We are called to put off that old corrupted self and put on the new made in Christ self. And the old, the old new change, it's an image that brings together recreation, what God does, and repentance, what we do by His grace. By God's grace, the Christ learner rejects the old self. Now may I offer that the Christ learner should not forget that former matter, but rather let truth expose the ways in which it's corrupted, it corrupted and deceived our desires. Yes, we move on from it, but and we do take it off, but we need not forget. Let us contrast our experience. Let the contrast of our experience serve as a testament of God's gracious work in you. Let it motivate you, but it also motivate others as you share your experience. And for those dear to my heart who have grown up within the church, perhaps you don't feel like you've had this definitive repentance moment. That repentance was kind of just this continuous part of your upbringing. And in some sense, I hope it will continue to be so. Firstly, let me offer that your baptism could provide an affirming moment for your conversion that may have happened long ago. This best describes my own repentance experience. I treasure my baptism. I look back on it as a milestone milestone marker of my faith growth. Quote, It is fitting to think about baptism as we explore this old and new change. Uh, A little fun church history fact for you. The taking off and putting on of old and new clothes, typically it was a robe, has been a tool at baptisms to help recapture that gospel drama of repentance and recreation. Now, I got no no, no uh, robe, but I did get to take off some hypothermic-inducing swimmers in a rather cold uh, baptism in a winter lake on the Victorian border. 
and I did get to put on some gloriously warm and dry clothes. So perhaps some of that drama was recaptured. I just feel sorry for the guy baptizing the, the few of us standing in it. But you'll do anything for Jesus. Secondly, your repentance experience, it's not second rate. Especially if the contrast between your former manner of life in Christ currently feels a little. Thank God for such an extravagant, ongoing experience of God's protective grace. It is a privilege and loved position to be kept so close to Christ from so young. Let the contrast develop, though, not from how sinful by worldly standards you once were, as kind of measuring now against sinful self, but rather let the change in your life be seen by ever-increasing righteousness and holiness as you put on the new made-in-Christ self, be known for how close to Jesus you are now, not how far away from Jesus you once were. Don't waste your head start. God has given it to you. Use it, especially to those for those with great disadvantage. Please, 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 church, never move on for your need of God's ongoing, renewing work in your life. At conversion, reenacted at baptism, the Christ learner draws a line in the sand, testifying to the change, the recreation that God has brought into their life. These are milestone markers to celebrate, but our dependence upon God's work does not end here. We need the ongoing, renewing work of God. Are any of the Greek nerds in the room? I'm thinking about Chris. Uh, this is a standout present tense um, word against a bunch of aorist words. The Gentile is diagnosed with ever-increasing futility of mind. While in contrast, the Christ learner's growth in righteousness depends on an ongoing mind renewal by Christ. Okay, we're going to try something. We're going to be a bit bold. Please be bold with me. We're going to do a survey. We're going to try a hands up in the room. You can play at home too. And you can even comment on the Facebook feed. Okay, who has had this kind of setup in their home at some point? I remember using, it's called a rotary dial telephone. Uh, For those not born... Uh, for those born in the 2000s, uh, this is a phone without buttons. Uh, so, hands up uh, if you grew up with one. I do have to add a little amendment here, full disclosure. Uh, I did use one as a kid, uh, but I had to Google what it's actually called. But, I don't know. But, here's the setup next to the phone. Um, there was a calendar, some scrap paper, extra points if it was old mail envelopes. That's the thing before email. Um, and there was like a hundred odd pens. Often they were like those business pens and like none of them works. Especially when you're scrambling to take down a message. Um, so did you have the complete set? Well done for playing at home. Um, now I just have a smartphone. Um, and most of the time, it kind of just gets used for the exact same purposes, like the setup that I grew up with. 
it, despite this having something like, I think it's 100,000 times more computing power than the computer that got us to the moon. With my smartphone, I, I take and make phone calls and messages. I use the calendar app, and occasionally I write down notes, which I normally forget where to find. Though I have to admit, I'm a big fan of GPS over Rapidex. Perhaps your, your habits, your phone habits, are a bit more advanced than mine, but here's the point. God equips the repentant Christ learner with the best recreated made in Christ self to put on and use. The hardware, the equipment is the best. But if we can stretch this illustration just a little bit further, our minds need reprogramming. We need ongoing retraining to make the most of what God has given us. I can have the best gear of the day, but without help to put it into use, well, my, not much of my life actually changes. We are ongoingly, continuously, ever dependent upon God to be renewing our minds. For this is how God is transforming us into His likeness. Salvation has a definitive conversion point, but there is also a process of trust, of ever-increasing faith, allowing God to be at the control center of not just our actions, but also the mind behind them. The Christ learner is also a Christ lead. Through this faith process, following Christ's lead, the contrast between our old and made in style, made in Christ's self, Rose into a glorious testament of God's work. Turn to verses 25-31. They present instructional examples of the contrast between the old and the new. I love how Cole did this with the switching paper. We're stepping out of the classroom and into the street. And for those taking notes, now is a good time for a table. Uh, three columns, put the headings, put off, put on, and motivation. Put off, put on, and motivation. Put off falsehood. All deception must go. It belongs to the old self. Put on truth. Truth is in Jesus. And so the new made in Christ self is characterized by truth. Deception and truth, they just don't work together. They have no place together. And deception undermines the unity that God is calling us to. The unity of that first half of chapter 4 returns to motivate us. Put off unrestrained anger. Anger without end, purpose, and care is a destructive hardness of heart that belongs to the old self. It provides opportunity for the devil's influence and for sin. Such risk means that anger must be contained for righteous purposes only. We must, like God, be slow to anger. Anger with caution is, is a tool of our sin. But it must be never excused as a means for sin. Anger with its danger, uh, with it, the danger of it partnering with bitterness, wrath, slander, and malice, 3 verse 31, or to be limited to protect against such 
old self behavior. And it, it reminds us that anger serves best only one day at a time. So put off unrestrained anger and put on temperance in its place. Now, for most, this will not mean the absence of all anger. Though for those for which anger is a known danger, abstaining is wise. But rather, the putting on of limited, God-focused, careful anger. This is very hard to do. And so we need God's help. Put off stealing. Put off honest work. The motivation is generosity. And I love the complete turnaround this is from the old self to the new. This is the kind of change that is a powerful testimony of our trust in God, particularly within the Aussie culture. And so, it's tax time. Be motivated by generosity. Put off corrupting talk. Slander, gossip, the cutting down, cut down Aussie talk poppy syndrome. All speech that can be used for evil has no place in your new self. God has given us words for timely and appropriate building up. Put on, or perhaps better expressed as put out, good words. And the motivation? That you can give grace by them. Remember, it's by the power of words. Remember the power of words, for it is by the words you hear the call to become a repentant Christ follower. Your words have great power. Put off grieving the spirit. Now, at first, this feels a rather abstract command, but it gives us a very personal insight into God. Our impurity, our unholiness, the actions and attitudes of the old self hurt God. The Holy Spirit is grieved by deception, sinful anger, stealing, corrupt words. These add pain and sorrow. To the Holy Spirit. And remember, this is the Holy Spirit who indwells repentant Christ learners at their conversion as a seal of an internal inheritance with God to be experienced in its fullness on the day of redemption. You could look back to Ephesians 1 13 and to 14 to see where Paul brings in this idea. Let this perspective motivate you not to grieve. Follow the example of Christ. Put on the new self, the mating quite likeness to please God. Christ is always pleasing to God. Okay, filling out the table. Put off these unpleasant attitudes and actions. Bitterness, wrath, anger, partnered with these is the distinction. Clamor. Now this this is a less used word today, but it can be really easily illustrated. Um, clamor is how quickly the comment section on any social media can become an all-caps shouting war. That's clamor. Put it off. Malice itself, or as a motivation to any of these previous, must also be rid of. Do not seek to evil others. In place, put on the characteristics of Christ. Put on kindness. Another fun fact. Uh, the Greek word for kindness is Christos, or Christos. For Christ is Christos. Just neatly close together. 
put on a tender, forgiving heart. Let your own forgiveness experience from Christ. Humble, instruct, and motivate you. Okay, so we've covered some ground together. Let's bring it together. Ephesians 4, 17-32. Are you a caring pessimist as you examine the people around you? We will never offer a cure to a person we do not see as a need. And it starts with ourselves. Where are you at as a Christ learner? If you're just starting out, perhaps if you've joined us online, fantastic, welcome. We'd love, we'd love to get in contact with you and support. Are there contact details at www.npbc.org.au? Please be in touch or leave some contact details. We'd love to connect with you. And we'd love to help you access a connect group. I connect with someone to explore the Bible with. And let me know about when and how services are returning in person as soon as there's a details to finalize. But this is also true uh, not just for first-timers, but for anyone who doesn't yet have a connect group or is looking for someone to further explore the Bible with. We want you to have spaces to learn and to listen to Christ. And maybe you've been around church for a while, but you took your L-plates off a while ago. I encourage you to put them back on. You need much more than that hundred hours. Learn, listen, and be led by Christ. We want to be together with you as Christ-led learners. And there is so much more of the new made in Christ self to put on, and boy, do we need the help of others to continue to do that. Christ is not finished when we learn that. So I invite you now, commit with me in prayer as a Christ learner to take your next step in the week ahead. Let's pray. God, we and the world needs you. We come before you asking for you to recreate us in your likeness. Renew our minds. Help us to put off the old self and put on the new mating Christ self. Give us the heart, the head, and the hands as a repentant Christ learner. And surround us with your fellow learners for support. Lead us together to please you. In Jesus' name, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we pray together. Thanks for listening to this audio from North Pine Baptist Church. For more information and to connect with us, visit npbc.org.au.